Yes, and it's my birthday We're episode. Too. Happy birthday to you. Is that a Mormon song? <laughs> I don't know, I guess. I was like, I've never heard that before. Did you guys like... You had a birthday shout hooray. Is the we regular like birthday song like illegal in Mormon? No, like, we can sing, you sing the sing other it? birthday song. This one just bled easier into... into what was happening i didn't realize that there was a, com- a competitor for there's a, second a lot birthday of birthday songs. songs okay i mean <laughs> yes there's ones that like restaurants would sing i think because they couldn't happy, happy birthday yeah like con- let's see you yeah, contract- we a birthday so we get party too hey, hey. yes happy but i think birthday. happy birthday okay well now we're just singing like songs that have that in it's like nobody actually sings katie yes. perry's happy birthday yes um, they do but when you're with me make yeah. it like your birthday every day yeah that's a that's a bop let me tell you i'm well, waiting for katie Re- perry's resurgence it has to come it has to yeah yeah she deserves well, it i'm sure and um that, that will be Grammy. the song she they leave with. So I can't honestly, wait. Katy Perry would be good for a birthday episode. I, I'm gonna keep that in my <laughs> mind for next year. I don't even know what birthday song you're referencing. Katy Perry has a song that's called either "Birthday" or "Happy Birthday," oh, and yeah. it's off whatever the uh, like prism or whatever that album is i think uh-huh. um and they used to play it all the time when i worked at h&m but it is oh. a it's a bop it's a good one i think okay. it was a single because there's a music video where she's like where she dresses up like an old person and goes to people's birthday parties and they don't realize it's her so weird <laughs> so i love her she's crazy oh <laughs> uh, yeah well there's always next year um but this year you went in a different direction yes this year, I have selected for the episode the one, the only Natalie Portman. Uh, Natalie Portman. I've, I've I've been like mulling over doing her for several years. She's been in contention, and I have been reluctant just because every time I go to her filmography, there's so many random ass movies on the list yeah. that I'm like, I've never heard of. I sort of don't know what this is. Like, I don't want to have to do an episode on her where I haven't seen all these movies. And also, I don't really want to go watch, you know, like 20 of these random movies I've never heard of. But this year, I sort of like actually dug into that a little bit more. And a lot of that stuff is early in her career where, you know, she's it, she has a weird career, which obviously we'll get into, where she's, like, had a couple of big things early, but then also just, like, lots of tiny stuff. And yeah. so those movies, I feel like I didn't really need to go and watch. And then her later career, she has some, like, random sort of, like, B-listy stuff that also never saw the light of day. And I was like, okay. I feel like I've seen all of her major stuff. And she's <laughs> been in lots of major stuff. And I think there's other interesting factors to talk about with her as far as like awards and her husband and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, 
I think that we can do this. And also May, December is it's these Netflix movies are going to be the death of me. I swear, (laughs) because it's like they come out of festivals in fall. They have a release date in theaters where they only show in, you know, New York and LA in like one screen. And then they have the Netflix date. So they truly are coming out for like five months. And I have no idea like when actually normal people are watching them. Because even (laughs) if you go to the Wikipedia page, like the release date, quote unquote, of the movie has passed. But it's like, oh, it's not actually on Netflix yet. I think it's on Netflix the 8th. Okay. Okay. So soonish. But anyways, that's coming out. I have seen it. Um, and I was like, it feels, it feels right. It feels, it feels timely right. to be discussing her, uh, Natalie, with this movie yeah. coming out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I. Shelby had qualms. I had qualms. I mean, not qualms necessarily. It's, a um, qualm. A qualm. I mean, it's not anything against her per se. I think, you know, we've, we've talked about in general, a couple of poor celebrity reactions to global events and especially around the propaganda machine with the Israeli and Gaza situation. And obviously Natalie Portman is not a voice for Israel, nor do I depend on celebrities to actually like speak up for the most part. But I definitely did have to Google to make sure we weren't like platforming Amy Schumer or something. (laughs) Because Natalie Portman was actually born in Israel. Yes, yes. She's an Israeli-American. And I understand that that history, especially for the Jewish community, is like rich and complex. And like, you know, obviously all sorts of things at the beginning of, you know, with the Hamas attack on October 7th and like everyone's reactions and letters and signing things. And it's like, what are you guys even talking about? She... Natalie Portman was involved in like the first wave of like celebrities who wrote to Biden to say thanks. <laughs> thanks for sending those bombs over. I don't know. Weird, weird moment in time. Since then, there's obviously been a lot more tragedy unfolding as like the Palestinians are voicing the reality of their situation, which is not a war zone so much as a complete uh, destructive annihilation of their limited home space but yeah i mean natalie portman is not the spokesperson for that and i do not hold her heritage against her obviously i think i was just curious about how she'd been um playing this up but she's spoken out against the president of israel before and i don't think she likes him or his policies so i imagine she's comfortable being quiet on this one mm-hmm yeah, yeah, she hasn't said anything since. And I mean, she's obviously had plenty of opportunities now that the SAG strike is over and she's on a press tour for her movie. Like, um, yeah. you know, if she yeah. if she wanted to voice things, she certainly could. I mean, or she could <laughs> yeah. go on TikTok with Noah Schnapp. And, you yeah, know, she could do anything. Start I selling mean, buttons yeah. <laughs> and whatever. Bars on the floor. Um, but no, I mean, she's always been someone who I am like aware of as being like, oh my gosh, she's she's smart like you know that's how it's always posited like her she went to college you know she she got a degree not in acting and like she's very much been someone who's like I want to have a normal life and has like repeatedly cited that and like she's definitely spoken out and for issues um and that's something that I've been aware of through her career um 
because we're kind of like peers. Like if you think about it, like we're kind of peers. So I've like grown up with her. She's you know? 42. <laughs> we're not peers, Shelby. I'm a very different age, a whole decade <laughs> younger. Yeah. But what I mean is it's like I remember her. I guess my first real like memory of her is obviously Star Wars. But she was young in that. And then I like remember her like going to college, you know, it was like the Hermione thing. It was like, oh, my gosh, what? Yeah, she does. Now that you say that, she definitely has some Emma Watson energy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think that she's much more talented talented. than Emma Watson, unfortunately. Emma Watson, I think, has been good in one movie and one (laughs) movie only. And that was the bling ring. And I sort of don't understand why they haven't like why they why no one has um, told her sort of she not... doesn't have to do this. <laughs> well, no, but realized that she's actually like better. I think in weirder, like oh yeah, like I think that she's better at playing a a big character than she is at playing like a smart girl, sort of, which is what everybody casts her as. But anyways, this isn't about Emma Watson. This is about Natalie yeah, Portman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the first thing I remember her in was probably also. Um, Star Wars because you know that was so big and that was such a large piece of your sexual awakening my Jar Jar Binks yes yeah, so my <laughs> sexual awakening with Jar Jar Binks um, who I still love and adore and you know hold a candle for and <laughs> you know have dreams about at night um, no yeah so th- I think that's when I first remembered her and I, as a gay person, you know, was obviously <laughs> obsessed with Queen Amidala and all of her outfits and accoutrement. And yeah, in the yeah. second one where, you know, her her top is artfully sliced and, you know, she has sort of like a, a, lo- a white long sleeve crop top that she's rocking mm-hmm, with her little mm-hmm. laser gun in the sand mm-hmm. arena, like hot. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that at a certain point post white, or Black Swan, I sort of had the thought of like, you know, like Natalie Portman is is like one of the great actors of that generation. And like, and she's good in things. Generation, yeah. But I also think that she is exceptional in a couple of different ways. One, yes, she is like very smart and private and sort of has like this whole other side of her going on that a lot of actors don't. But two, she is like never afraid to take big swings. Like she signs up for projects that where she is going to have to be a lunatic. She's not afraid to do crazy accents, to do just like things that I think a lot of other actors would shy away from or maybe their Mm -hmm. agents or managers would say like like maybe don't do this maybe do something safer and I really like that about her as an actor because it it gets me excited whenever I see that she's signed on to a project because I don't know what it is it's a little bit like Nicole Kidman I think in some (laughs) ways because because she's another one of those people who's like yeah sure she'll give you the like straight down the middle of the road kind of stuff but then also she's not afraid to do big crazy things and sometimes they don't necessarily work out but at least there's an excitement there that I don't know I'm trying to think of like who's a more boring actress who isn't doing that kind of stuff um Mm, I don't know. Like I find like Blake Lively or something. You know what I mean? Like some of these people are just like not quite on the same level. Although Blake Lively did have that one random movie where she was like a homeless person or what? Remember that? 
<laughs> Remember that movie that where she where, was like a spy or something, and it like kept getting bumped over and over and over again, but oh, she just like yeah, looked yeah, yeah. unhinged yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah. What was that? I don't remember. Well, did you watch it? I don't think so. Has Taylor Swift seen it? <laughs> Probably. It's possible. Probably. I mean, it's interesting you say that about Natalie Portman, though, because honestly, when I sh- see she's cast in something, I'm usually like, oh, that's going to be boring. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily my cup of tea. It's like she gives me the Jodie Foster energy, you know? It's like you're very talented and I respect that about you. And I, I I, can respect that you take this seriously. But like sometimes I don't have fun watching the things you do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Whatever you Which, say. I mean, I get your point though in that she does – She's not afraid to move across genres, but she's generally pretty stickly about, like, what kind of character she plays. Yeah, but, like, I mean, we'll get into her movies later, but it's like, you know, she's doing Vox Lux, she's doing Jackie, May, December is wild, she's in the Lucy in the Sky movie about that diaper astronaut. Um, Yeah, I don't know what that is. What What is that? So, uh, so remember this story of the woman who like drove across, she like drove from Florida to Texas to kill her like boyfriend or, or with plans to kill her boyfriend. And, and she was in such like a rage that she wore a diaper on the drive so that she wouldn't have to stop and pee so that she could like get to killing her boyfriend faster. But they were like, it was like a love triangle of astronauts or people who worked for NASA. This was a real okay. story. And then oh. Natalie Portman played the diaper astronaut woman in a movie. Okay. I think I did see that. I just don't remember the diaper situation. I feel like the diaper was the whole, like, like that was the thing that everybody was talking about was like the diaper astronaut. I Okay. <laughs> You have in to the do movie, a, that's like a major play. That's like I, a part I think of the in, movie. Well, I think in the movie they sort of like like the movie didn't do well, and not very many yeah. people saw it. And it was a yeah. lot more like artsy than the yeah than the you know sort of salacious events of the story. But the big part oh, of yeah. the story of the news story was that this woman had worn a diaper. Okay, yeah, I didn't. That's not in the movie. I have no recollection of that. So I just. Did, <laughs> but you didn't the see the movie. No, I said I do think I saw the movie, but I oh. don't remember anything about a diaper. Oh, no. I think the diaper was cut from the movie. Okay, I don't remember the yeah. diaper either. Okay. Freaking misleading our listeners who were excited to watch freaking Natalie Portman. Pee in a diaper. Pee in a diaper. <laughs> I, <laughs> like hope those, I hope our loyal, the well, the pissers, you know, the pissers, the pissers <laughs> yeah. love the diaper. Exactly. A classic, a classic exactly. piece of our merch lineup, like, ah. you know. Here's your diaper. As Get that on. on the website. <laughs> Do we still have merch? Or is that yeah, done Yeah, it's now? technically still there. Oh. So if you're looking wow. for Christmas presents for your <laughs> for your ones and onlys, uh, check us out. Uh, it's linked in our bio. So Yes, the, the diaper set yeah. that you could buy. <laughs> I'll, I'll make a special order diaper, diaper set. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you have any do we have anything else to say about Natalie Portman like 
in a broader sense or should we get into sort of like her career and move forward that way um yeah no I guess everything that happens in her personal life sort of plays into her movies too so yeah she sort of like doesn't have that much scandal I think like some of the people we pick I feel like have more scandal going on outside where she definitely has less of that she keeps it it tight to the chest you know we got to respect that she knows how to have boundaries and um avoids any and all codependency or um what's it called like parasociality absolutely I don't even know if she has fans you know what I mean like what are they called the port, port maniacs the port maniacs duh <laughs> yeah so i mean i think yeah she's kind of an interesting character she's one of those celebrities which i realized are a thing when i went and saw matthew mcconaughey uh do snl where there are fans who, or there are celebrities who are a-listers who are very very famous but they sort of like don't have fans. It's like it's a weird <laughs> kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like everybody knows who Matthew McConaughey is, but like who is actually willing to like sleep on the street to see Matthew McConaughey? Like, I don't <laughs> think that many people. And you I kind were... of feel like Natalie Portman is similar. Yeah. And I think there's a bunch of that kind of level of celebrity where it's like they are very, very famous, but they're not like Harry Styles or you know, Beyonce, where they have these people who are, like, just rabid and obsessed. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but anyways, uh, one thing, I so I was reading, like, up on her bio stuff, because um, she did, she is a child actor. She's in, her first movie is Leon the Professional, which is, like, a very famous movie that I've seen, or I watched a lot growing up, because my, uh, parents or my dad really liked it it's you know about a hitman who sort of like adopts this little girl and then you know teaches him or teaches her how to kill people which was something you know that really appealed to my family member and they love you know an action scene or whatever and there's a couple scenes where they're just sort of like hanging out with guns like picking off people in the park or whatnot and (laughs) that was a that was a that was a scene that i got to see a lot growing up um and but Aside from that, she lives like a pretty normal-ish kind of show busy life. Like she's she grew up around New York, um, in Long Island and such, and so she is doing some theater. She was originally um approached by someone to do a Revlon commercial, and then that's how she sort of got her agent. I she applied or she auditioned for an off-Broadway show, which I Thing is interesting and her and britney spears were the understudies together oh my gosh so i am like i wonder if they i wonder like if I they keep remember. in touch at all i can't remember if britney spears mentions her yeah i mean i just read the memoir and it's not i can't remember if she mentions her or not but if she does it's like not a bit it's not a big thing yeah 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 i mean they would have been like what 10 or something at that point yeah. so and they're both the understudies, so I don't know how much interaction they have. But um, yeah. it's kind of yeah. interesting. Um, Natalie Portman just did a interview or whatever, you know, now that she's on the press circuit again. Yes. And she brought up, like, how she was so lucky as a child actor to, like, not have anything happen to her, but how she'd, like, literally never let her kids. She doesn't think child actors should be a thing, which is interesting because, like you said, she was a child actor. She starred in a variety of random movies random broadway shows and 
she has spoken a lot throughout the years about how like you know she was surprised that to find out what happened to Harvey Weinstein to find out what Harvey Weinstein was doing to girls that she was working with but never tried on her and like just like this weird kind of like she had this random dumb luck bubble around her where she was like really protected in a in a space that most children aren't. And it seems like she credits her parents a lot of that, but it also seems like in all of the like background about her early life is she was really intent to not take on like highly sexualized roles, even though that's kind of how she got typecast at the first part of it. Yeah. It's so fascinating because the Leon, the professional isn't like, that's not really a sexual role. Uh, I mean, it's like creepy, but in a different way. Um, but yeah, it's like you read her Wikipedia page about all of these different like roles she was offered or roles she got, but then like her age, her parents or her like got them to rewrite pieces of script or write yeah. things out of movies or like she was cast in Romeo and Juliet, the Leonardo DiCaprio one, and then they and then they took her out of it because she was too young. Like there's just a lot of different uh, sort of tidbits of information about how things got sort of like swapped or she turned something down or whatever, because it was too sexual. And it does make you remember like the nineties, two thousands where, <laughs> yeah, it's just all these creepy <laughs> guys who are like, Oh, like a 15 year old girl. Like, yeah, like she's going to take her top off. Like that's how you yeah. become an adult, like movie star. Yeah. And just like how creepy, 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 creepy it was. I mean, yeah. and still is, I think in probably a lot of ways, but after me too, it's at least a lot better than it was before. Like, like it's, it's deranged some of the stuff. Yeah. When you think back to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think heat was one that was also like, they rewrote a little bit to let her in. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like she ended up being more sexualized than she wanted. And that's when everyone was like, Oh, you should be Lolita. Like, (laughs) wouldn't this be fun? Yeah. And she was like, like, no, 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 thank you. (laughs) Yeah. She like, she has a couple of, she's in like some big movies cause she's in heat. She's in Mars attacks. Um, she has these like little roles and then she's also doing stuff on Broadway. Like she's Anne Frank on Broadway. Um, she has some other like uh theatery kind of roles, but at the, at the same time, it's like, she's going to high school. She's going to Harvard. Um, she's, you know, doing school stuff. Like she gets the role of in star Wars, you know, obviously several years before it comes out and does that shoot. But then, you know, is like still going to school the whole time. So it seems like she has like a fairly, like even though she's quote unquote a child actor, it seems like she has a fairly normal-ish life in a lot of ways in comparison to like the Disney Channel people who, you know, it's like they've been home, they're like homeschooled on a set because they have these crazy days, you know, like reading Jeanette McCurdy's book or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it feels like, Natalie Portman was sort of like, oh, you know, she'd be like off in the summer for a couple weeks, like shooting something. And then, you know, like she'd have theater practice after school or whatever, but it wasn't the same kind of deranged level. And I think that if you come into this industry as an adult more or not necessarily as an adult, but like someone who has more outside perspective, that does help you a lot to sort of stay grounded, I think. Um. But yeah, then we get to Star Wars. 
1999. Queen uh, Amidala. I famously love the Phantom Menace. It's yes. my favorite <laughs> Star Wars movie. I think it's great and underrated, and I don't understand why people dislike it so much. Um, you don't have any ideas. You can't. I have no any. ideas whatsoever because <laughs> I love Jar Jar Binks, which is something that people often cite. But one of my favorite <laughs> things about the Phantom Menace, or I mean, I love so many things, but is the fact that Queen Am- is the Queen Emmy is like in all of this face pain, whatever. And part of the time it's Natalie Portman, but part of the time it's Keira Knightley who is playing, yes. you know, sort of like the understudy. And Body so it's double. like, and as a child, I obviously didn't pick up on that. I thought it was all the same person, but like now to go back and watch it, it's fun. And it's interesting that like they used so much, makeup and stuff so that when you're watching it you sort of like the first unless you're looking for it can't tell that they're switching people out which i think is interesting um wait i thought it was a part of the storyline like her body double is like killed instead of her is that in the second one that's in the second one. Oh, okay i mean yes that is a plot of, part of the storyline is that like because like pa- in the first one she's padme when she's like out of makeup and no one knows she's actually queen amidala Right. So Keira Knightley is playing Keira is playing Queen Amidala, but it's not like the movie is trying to trick us and have them. You know what I mean? No, but there's like scenes where Padme is. There's scenes where Padme is dressed up like Queen Amidala. And then there's other scenes where Padme's dressed as like a handmaiden. And so Kira Knightley, who's the handmaiden, is then right, right, dressed right, right. as Queen Amidala. And as a child, I feel like I did not realize that there was like two act you know, like mm, I I, see, I, I, I assumed like, oh, it's all Natalie Portman or whatever. Um, and then it was only later once I realized who Kira Knightley was and that she was in the movie that it's like, oh, this is a fascinating sort of like thing that you don't pick up on when you watch it the first time. <laughs> or I didn't at least. I'm trying to remember when Pirates came out because I like remember knowing that was a fun fact. I don't think Pirates came out till later. Maybe it was like mid two thousands or so. Yeah. Well, that trick is sort of like that's the trick in the first movie, and then the yeah, second yeah, yeah. one, like yes, the body double dies, but it's not like they're really you know working on that yeah, in the same yeah, yeah. capacity. Yeah. No. So it must have been on rewatches when I was a derpy tween that I was like. <laughs> It's Kiara Knightley, um, but With yeah, your little Phantom glasses Menace. on. Yeah, it was it was a movie. I mean, it is wild that she got cast in such a big franchise, like sort of without that. Although I guess most they of the weren't people in that really. Franchise they didn't were taking really whoever by by the looks of things, by the by the way things turned out. That movie was just. You want to be in it? Sure. You got you got talent, kid. Rude. That's so rude to the actors who put in a lot of time and effort into that movie, Shelby. Except for Liam Neeson, who was phoning it in. He's like, what is this? What? Who am I talking to? Liam Neeson's to? great in The Phantom He's like, oh, so sleepy. Anyways, He's wise. it's fine. It's He's fine. Wise. You know, Ewan McGregor's having a good time. And Natalie Portman, I mean... Do you think she regrets it? I mean, probably not, but it can't be like a fond memory. I don't know. I mean, I think it might have been an interesting shoot to be on because that's still like back in the pre-CG days. I mean, like obviously there was some visual effects, but like (laughs) 
But I, you know, it's like they built those sets. They like flew them to Africa or whatever, and they were in the desert filming. Like I think that there probably was an interesting uh, process. And then it's like Kristen Stewart or Robert Pattinson. It's like then you have that Star Wars money, and so then yeah. you can sort of you know mess around and do whatever for the you know next chunk of your career because she really like after after the Star Wars series. I mean, and she's in things throughout that but she really doesn't like come back and do another franchise thing until thor so it's like <laughs> she she's sort of like yeah. i feel like takes that money and then can kind of do whatever she wants and and she's going to college during that time period and you know she's she, I, I, like i can't imagine that she looks back and regrets it i don't necessarily think that i mean i to, i guess to talk about all three of those movies right now i don't i don't necessarily think that she's giving like incredible performances but i think part of that is to do with how bad the script is in the second and third ones like there's some lines of dialogue that i'm just not sure anyone could successfully deliver and i think (laughs) she does a fine enough job with it um she's certainly not the worst actor in the in the lineups of those movies so i think that she comes across pretty unscathed and i'm sure she got left a fat paycheck the real question is, will she reappear? Okay, because at this point, they've tapped in um, Ewan McGregor. They've tapped in Hayden Christensen. Um, I mean, they're freaking, you know, putting all the originals all over faces, like just pretending they're still alive. So will Padme ever, <laughs> ever come back? I would say no, but then I would have also said no about her coming back to Thor, and mm, she did. Yeah. But I also sort of wonder if that experience wasn't bad enough that she wouldn't do Star Wars. Yeah. I guess it sort of depends on how like desperate she is for money, but it, it doesn't <laughs> seem like that is. I guess her it'd be hard to because she died as a character when she's like what twenty, and so there's not a lot of storyline to like. Yeah, they'd yeah. have to go. They'd have to de-age her. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, there's really not much they could do with her because so, her character is not. dead. So yeah, R.I.P. So probably not. Um, in the midst of this, the Star Wars franchise, I did not care about. I did love Cold Mountain at the time, which oh, now yeah, but- I'm like, was that like about a Confederate soldier? I think so. <laughs> I don't Wasn't remember. It? I'm like, were they? Was Nicole Kidman waiting for her Confederate husband? Let me look it up. Cold <laughs> Mountain. I'm like, do I like that movie? Do you still? love a? Are you obsessed with yeah. Confederates? <laughs> I'm like, I loved the movie so much. I read the book, and I was like, oh, it's so good. The film tells the story of a wounded deserter from the Confederate Army close to the end of the American Civil War who journeys home to reunite with the woman he loves. Well, if he's a deserter from the Confederate Army, so then maybe he... like wh- Yeah, he is immoral, morally opposed by the end of yes, it, you think? Yes, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So we can um, sort of, you know, and women, we like... You know, they didn't really have Women. control to be in, to be in whatever <laughs> side of really, things, you know? Are they really agents? Are they people? <laughs> are they people? Women? No, oh, but I'm like, if actually, you're a woman you know in the Civil War and your husband is like, 
we're on the Confederate side. It's not like you can really. I mean, I guess. Yeah, no, like, Matt. Leave home. I, I appreciate you trying to give women grace here, but actually, uh, white women in particular were a huge contributor to the well, extended yes. violence of. I have I have seen the help. And... I did know. I <laughs> yes, I have seen the help. I do know. And racism. So, uh, yeah, I don't remember details of the movie nor the book, but I just I've I've thought about it. You know, since seeing it when it Time came out for in a rewatch. And I'm like, huh, what was that? Was that, what is that vibe? I just like, remember Renee Zellweger's like, well, I'm, I'm living in a mountain. Like yeah, crazy, exactly. like Southern accent monologues yes. that she had, yeah. just like screaming into the wind. Yeah. Uh, but Natalie Portman has a pretty small role in that. Yeah. So, I don't even remember her. But yeah. I do remember Garden State. Yes. I was going to say, I think, I feel like that's her first, like, because she, the first Star Wars movie comes out in 1999. She has a couple of movies and like cameos and stuff. The second one comes out in 2002, then Cold Mountains in 2003. But Garden State in 2004, mm-hmm. I feel like, is her first like big non Star Warsy movie that she's the lead in. Uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl, the movie, basically. Yeah. I don't know if this is the first version of that. Like, did Elizabeth Town come out before or after this? <laughs> Elizabeth Town was after, I think. I don't know that. that I do love Elizabeth so Town. I will say. Oh my god! I sort Matthew. of love that movie because because Kirsten Dunst is so likable just in anything. Like I could just that watch her movie. be like postcards <laughs> or whatever she's doing. She just like shows up at the funeral. In- incredible. Also, the soundtrack is so good to that movie. Hey, no, the soundtrack to Garden State is what people love. Yeah, but I also love the so- soundtrack to Elizabeth Town. Okay. Okay. Elizabeth I mean, Town Bloom. is not the tennis one, right? No, it's like no. What's Elizabeth Town t- is like yeah, it's Orlando Bloom. Yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Tries to yeah. kill himself with yeah his, with like, the postcard stationary mm-hmm. bike. Yes. No. Very weird. That's but then Kirsten Dunst is also in Wimbledon. That's oh, yeah, the tennis yeah, yeah. one. I was for a split second. I was like, wait, am I am I getting these mixed up? But no. Okay. Ugh, no, no, I do like Elizabeth. Every manic pixie dream girl has to have a weird hat. Because in Garden State, doesn't she always wear the bucket hat? Yes, she does. Oh, my gosh. Garden wow. State, I don't like, actually. I don't think it's a good movie. This is insane is to me because Zach Garden Braff? State... Yeah, Garden State has like 86%. It's still cited as like a great film, no matter it's problematic. Elizabethtown was like hated at the time. It was like... It has 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like, well, maybe just people don't understand this? it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. No, but I love Kirsten Dunst. (laughs) I love her. And I feel like this is a very Kirsten Dunsty movie. You know, Mm -hmm. she's sort of like, she's great. I love it. Um, But no, Garden State, that came out. I didn't see it at first because isn't it rated R? Uh, Actually, maybe maybe it's not. I think it's PG-13. I probably just didn't. I mean, because it's 2004, so I saw it in college or whatever five years later. Yeah, same. But it was like, it was like whatever to me. I don't know. Like the people who introduced it to me, I was like, they were very hipster. Like, you know, this was early, true hipster era. And so they were like, oh my gosh, like you got to watch Garden State. Like it speaks to my soul. And I watched it and I was like, what? is happening here there's just so many shots of this like sad pathetic dude just being sad and pathetic it's a very like 500 days of summer sort of uh like core like it's definitely that time period and 
I saw it because this sort of like annoying film bro who went to college <laughs> with me was like, this is a great movie. You're going to love it. Yes. And so I sort of feel like maybe I was predisposed to not like it just because I didn't really like him. And he was like, this is great. So I sort of went into it with a like, I'll show you mentality. <laughs> That's fair. But also, I don't like Zach Braff. And I, I don't know. I, the, I feel like Natalie Portman, I do love her. And I think that she's a great actress. I feel like Manic Pixie Dream Girl is not necessarily like where she shines in the same way. Like I think, I think you have to kind of have a little bit of um, like dinginess to you in order to really make that character sound like Zoe Deschanel and Kirsten Dunst, I think are great because it's like, they can sort of seem a little bit oblivious where Natalie Portman is like never like you never well, get the sense that Ma- manic pixie dream girl is like a spiritual guru not a not a ditzy flirt no but like i feel like in order to be like you have to be sort of like the whimsical object of desire to be yeah. the manic pixie dream girl who like can sort of like lead along somebody haphazardly and yeah. like almost sort of like i like everybody likes me but i don't know why <laughs> where I feel like Natalie Portman like always seems like she knows what's going on. Mm. And so she's just like a little too like, like I feel like if she was the manic pixie dream girl, like it, she would be like orchestrating more things. It wouldn't be sort of like accidental. <laughs> yeah. She'd be less um, uh, spontaneous maybe. Yeah. You know, like, because manic pixie dream girls are like, I'm weird, but I like, but I'm also hot, but I'm sort of just like a weird girl and I don't know that I'm hot. Well, I don't know if that's always the case. Like, I know what you mean, but I think uh, that's a specific subcategory, you know. But did you like uh, Garden State? Um, I was indifferent. I found it annoying in the same way I find like Wes Anderson annoying. Like it's style over substance at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. Um. But that so, same yeah. year, she's also in Closer, which I think is an incredible movie. Have you seen I that? I think I've seen that. Let's I think see. it's based on a play. It's her, Julia Roberts, Jude Law, and who's the fourth person in it? Oh, um, Clive Owen. And it's like a sort of an erotic kind of uh, Wait, like maybe I did see thriller this. drama where it's like two of them are in a couple and then the other two are in a couple and then they sort of like. Um, and then, like, they're sort of, like, having affairs with each other. And so it's these four people who are all kind of, like, tangled up in this, like, web of relationships. But this is the first movie where Natalie Portman actually was, you know, like, allowed herself to be sexualized on screen. There's a whole scene where she's a stripper and sort of, like, performing a, um, a strip number for, I think that... I can't remember if that's for Jude Law or for Clive Owen, who's in that scene with her. But um, but yeah, it's really good. And this is what she was got her first Oscar nomination for is Closer as well. Oh. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it. I saw it a couple of years ago. I'm trying to remember if I... Like, I like all the people in it, and I think they're really good, and it's a really good, uh, like, script and stuff. I'm I'm not sure if you would like it or not. I'm Yeah, it doesn't look that appealing, but I I feel like I it might be a little you. boring for you. But I but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's 2004. And then she does The Last Star Wars. Annie, you're breaking my heart. Yeah, where she dies and cries a lot. She's really like not utilized a ton in that one. Is because she's mostly just like pregnant and then like in a bed. I mean, yeah, he might be hanging out with fascists. And like, maybe I don't agree with his politics, but like, I still love him. He's a father to my illegal <laughs> conceived babies. You know what's a red flag is a dude who's like, I should not do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you're going to keep the secret for me. So. Yeah. Th- I mean, there was a lot of red flags going on there. Yeah. The fact that she was friend, he was friends with the emperor. That should have been a tip off at some point. Yeah, his like anger issues that kept coming up. Oh, but um, this is the movie where she's like, "So this is how democracy fails with, with thunder supply." <laughs> yes, no, which I feel like is a great line. Yeah, I no, think about I that often. It. it feels too real. Uh, day by yeah. day uh, no it does more and more <laughs> believable. it's like whenever you watch like uh you know like when they were inducting the new speaker of the house in <laughs> i was sort of like like get when get natalie portman like, out here on biden's signing a complete uh free-for-all on funding israel's army Yay! yes yeah 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 dicey 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 yeah <laughs> um so that's 2005. 2006, we get another one of my favorite movies, which is V for Vendetta that I see this. she is in. And I watched this in college for the first time, and I absolutely adore it. I think it's such a good movie. The script is so good. Natalie Portman is doing a British accent in it. Oh, yes. That is right. Which is, and you know, true. I'm not sure that it's her best move, but... It's good. She has like uh, she has like some incredible scenes, and her and V going back and forth about things. The she, this is also the movie that she shaved her head for, which mm. I remember being a big to do back in the day. Of like, wow, like she's so committed to act. Whenever a woman shaves her head <laughs> for a movie, it's a big story. Like that's oh, never yeah. not going to be. Like Anne yeah. Hathaway did it. Jennifer Demi Moore Lawrence. did it. Jennifer. Yeah, it's like it's always it's. Always a big deal. Yeah, yeah. A woman in their hair, you know. It's all, because then it's all you weird. have, then you have like the two-year press cycle where they just have like horrible pixie cuts <laughs> that they're trying to figure out how to, what to do with. That's really rude, but yeah. You know, because it's like, like I think that she looked good with a shaved head, and I think Anne Hathaway also looked good with a shaved head. But then there's like some awkward in-between <laughs> phases in hair where it's kind of like you can't really do anything with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should just switch to wigs for a bit. Yeah. Um, I did see Viva Vendetta. I don't remember anything, any strong feelings about it, except that it was like, wow, this is very. It was like during that era where I was like, this doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Uh yes, it definitely does I'm not. I'm pretty sure it's just her and a bunch of dudes. Yeah, but she is working to kill a bunch of fascists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Real. <laughs> That's a, no, you know what? It does pass the Bechdel test because there's the scenes with there's the whole plot line with the lesbians. I don't remember. Are that's they named? the most. That's the most powerful Are part they of the movie. characters. I think so. Are they talking about other people than the main guy? They're. I mean, they're talking. So the one lesbian <laughs> is writing. It's while. 
it's while she's in prison and she's gets and Natalie Portman gets messages through the wall that are from this lesbian who's also in prison. And she's talking about how it's uh, she's in prison for being a lesbian. And she talks about how it's worth it to mm. be there because she got to experience love with this woman for a period of time before she got taken okay, captive. And she writes these letters and she sends them to Natalie Portman. And then when you realize that Natalie Portman was never actually in prison, but that like V was sort of like training her the entire time. Then you realize that the, that those were actually letters that he got from the real woman who was like in the cell next to him when he was in prison and that he was passing them on to Natalie Portman. So I guess it was freaking messed up. Maybe because it was a letter. It was a different thing. I don't yeah, I guess I don't know the the ins and outs of the Bechdel test well enough to know how that kind of like okay if, you've, <laughs> if, a, yeah, if, if a, it's a written acceptable. on a piece of toilet paper and slid under a thing and then it's a voiceover narrative like so. does that count? But but it is good yeah. and I do really like it. Yeah, anything for the anti-establishment like down with fascism like sure. But you know what a- my family was into though is Mr. Magro. Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I, I was going to say, then she's in like some short films. She pops up in um, a, a Wes Anderson movie, sort of in a cameo. She's in a movie called Goya's Ghosts, which I've never seen Mm-mm. or heard of, really. Um, yeah. But yes, Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium, that's 2007. That's some quirky, quirky stuff happening there. I honestly just it felt like a fever dream. It's like it it feels like the Johnny Depp like um what is it called? Why do I want to say Oliver? Freaking Willy Wonka <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It has that similar like weird I honestly confuse it with the Scarlett Johansson, Hugh Jackman, like, do you remember that Scarlett Johansson, Hugh Jackman, I want to say it's even um, directed by Scum of the Earth, um, what's his name? Woody Allen. Woody Allen. And they're like, it's like from the same time period, I swear. I always get this mixed up. I always get this mixed up with Miss with um Doc. What's the movie that the the Heath Ledger died in the middle of? Oh yeah, that one too. Yeah, it's like Mister um, the, the Imaginarium the of Doctor oh, yeah, Parnassus or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like what like what are these titles? Yeah, but yeah. I never saw Wonder Emporium. Oh, you didn't. I mean, no. it is pretty quirky, pretty family friendly, pretty dumb. Then like, not family not friendly, the other Bolin girl. Yes, which was the next year. This is sort of I feel like almost her weirdest movie. Oh really? Like I just feel like it's so weird that she's in this. <laughs> I <laughs> guess like why are you casting this, or you just don't well, picture her as a? I just feel like in her, in her like film, like this is so trashy. Yes, you know? but it was and, the era of like sexy Shakespeare. I guess that's true, but I it and it's like, like a what a couple trend. of years. It's at, well, no, it's like a decade after Shakespeare in Love, but like, um, 
yeah, I guess it was sort of like a bodice ripper kind of period. But I'm just like, it feels like something that she would sort of be like almost scoff at. But then here she is in it with Scarlett Johansson playing the Boleyn sisters who are like trying to sleep with the king. Sexiest King Henry to ever. uh, (laughs) I know. Well, I don't know. The King Henry VIII of the Tudors is also pretty hot. (laughs) That's true. Mm. Um. The other Berlin girl is bad. It's it's yeah. a bad movie. I watched that during the pandemic at some point and was like, oof, terrible. Wait, I thought I thought Anne Boleyn. Okay. This is She plays Anne Boleyn. She plays Anne Boleyn. But Mary's the other woman in this film, right? Yes, but Mary Boleyn, the yeah, sister. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. this is like after after the first wife. Right. It's about okay. the sisters competing against <laughs> yeah. each other. It's not about them competing with the with whatever wife it was. Yeah. B- that came before Anne Boleyn. Was Anne Boleyn number two? Yeah, she was. Divorced, beheaded, died. Yeah. She's <sighs> to Got to my yeah, six uh cast yeah, recording and sort of listen to it. But I don't really like her song, so I I skip it. What? Crew up in the French court, we we monsieur. The best songs are the first one, and then Anna of Cleves. (laughs) I think. I mean, I agree. Those ones are really good. Get down. Yeah, (laughs) it's so good. It's so catchy. I mean, yeah, no, I love the Adele one. I I also always skip. Third wife. Yeah, the third wife is sad, and it's like, girl, you're married to a trash bag. Like, what do you want me to say? You want me to feel Yeah, and she's it? like, like he liked know. me best. And it's like, oh, no one cares, honey. <laughs> I like the last wife the most. Um, oh, yeah, she's also great. The Alicia Keys one. Yeah. Ugh, anyways. 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 She, she's in a movie called The Other Woman with Lisa Kudrow, which I've never seen. That feels like something I need to watch at some point. There's this is we this we're getting to the point in Natalie Portman's filmography where there's probably at least fifty maybe not that many there's like at least ten <laughs> movies that you me the entire universe has never heard of that somehow <laughs> she is the star of and they've come out during periods of time where I have actively been watching movies so the fact that I have never heard of these is always shocking to me yeah but. The other woman is one of them. It came out the same year though as Brothers, which she really loves a movie where it's siblings, uh, where it's love sibling triangles. incest love triangles. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, maybe we need to investigate uh, her upbringing and see if there's something going on there. <laughs> she was in yeah. love with a pair of brothers. Maybe. Her and her sister were in love with somebody. Like, yeah. what was going on? It happens, you know. We all go through a phase. Did you see Brothers? That's no. I mean, it's, maybe. It's military, is it? Are they like in the military or something? It's Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> it's, like, it's like she's married to one brother, and then they think that brother dies in the military, and so then she gets with the second brother. Oh, so and like then Pearl the, Harbor. I, I guess. You've never but seen then, Pearl Harbor? No, I haven't. Oh. But then the first brother isn't dead and comes back. Yeah. That's exactly like That's Pearl the Harbor. plot of Pearl Harbor? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I assume the plot of Pearl Harbor was well, Pearl Harbor. Friends. Yeah, Pearl Harbor is the first half, and then the second half is... Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not a good movie, uh, but it's a similar story. Yeah, for sure. Best friends, but she has a kid with the second choice and then the second choice and the first choice end up going to like, I don't know what they're doing, like dropping the bomb or something. And the no, this is Oppenheim. The second choice ends up dying. He's like, I, I wanted it to be you anyways. Like, raise my kid good, you know, and and passes oh, passes gosh. his wife back. Wait, to- who plays the who plays choice number one and choice number two? Um, I don't remember. They're like is famous. Josh Hartnett in that movie? No, am I making that up? No, that's this is an old movie. Oh, Pearl Harbor. It's like 2005 or something. It's not that old, is it? Well, okay, but it's not like freaking... It's... Oh, yeah. It's Ben Affleck. Duh. Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking... Yeah, Josh Harnett. It is Josh Harnett. I was picturing the guy from This Is Us. The... Selling sunset. Oh, um, uh, yeah. What is his name? Isn't it Josh Harn something? It might be. <laughs> Wait, okay, now let me look this that up. Is this is a... us. This okay, is okay. us, Josh. Justin Hartley. Okay. Justin okay. Hartley. Just another oh white dude name. Gosh, um, terrifying. Anyways, um, wait, yeah, is, Pearl Harbor wait, is, so so does the so who sacrifices themselves then? Ben Josh. Affleck or No he... Josh Hartnett is the second choice? Yeah. He's so much hotter than Ben Affleck. I mean I I don't know, man. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I, Shelby not is saying obsessed right now, with Ben Affleck. Not right now. I'm Shelby saying, loves think a about, back tattoo. Think about their popularity. Like, like Ben Affleck. This I'm not is talking like about peak. popularity. I'm talking about that Josh Hartnett is like I know, but I'm saying gorgeous. if you watched Pearl Harbor, I do not think that the second guy is attractive at all. I do not think wow. Josh Hartnett is good looking. Well. Maybe you have bad taste. We, I uh, mean, it's possible. It is. In 2010, we get <laughs> Black Swan, where she wins her Oscar. This, this, the Black Swan was. Black Swan. This, this was one of those movies that I heard so much about in the Christian circles. Oh, yeah. How this movie was like straight from the devil. There was a lesbian sex scene in it, yeah. like just uh, disavow, like don't take your children to see it, which obviously piqued my interest in a way that has never been uh, <laughs> repeated because I was like, wait, it's this like ballet movie, but it's like hot lesbians. I'm like this, like I need <laughs> to like see Simon, this desperately. Yeah. And then when I finally did see it, I think in college, you know, it was like under the cover of darkness. Like we, I can't tell anybody <laughs> that I'm watching this heathen fil- film and was like, wait, this is great. And also the lesbian sex scene is, I mean, it is there, but it's not like I, in my mind. It was much. It was much more pornographic than yeah. what actually I ended up seeing. Yeah, you know, I still haven't seen this. Ah, really? Yeah, I just like this... missed it, and then I'm like, there's so much like, it just doesn't like you know, he him as a director doesn't appeal to me. Like all of the like drama around like I tortured myself to make this art like doesn't appeal to me. Like. Just like the whole energy around this film. I'm just like, whatever. (laughs) I really like this movie 
because I think it gets into like a couple of different aspects of things that I like. One is the sort of like crazy perfectionism of like perfectionism gone too far. It sort of has like whiplash energy almost in some ways like that. And then also I do like the like frantic desperation of like aging out of something. Mm. And I think dance is such a, crazy like difficult world in that regard in that you know your entire career that at some point you're going to sort of get pushed out and have to be done and it's just like sort of trying to stay on top for as long as humanly possible but at the same time you want to sort of push out people who are above you and so to watch that sort of all unfold in this movie where it's like you know I think it's Winona Ryder is the one who was sort of like the prima ballerina before natalie portman and then natalie portman you know sort of like bumps her out and then and then immediately is just in terror that somebody else is going to get to her um and take the top spot and it yeah it's just yeah it's it's very interesting like psychologically i think yeah i've seen like i feel like i know most of the movie but i've just never sat down to watch it but this is like i remember the drama of like her being like yeah i learned to dance for this I danced the whole thing, not the whole thing, but like I'm a major dancer. And then the body double came out and was like, she did like 5% of the dancing. And then the director came out and was like, that's, that's inaccurate. It was at least 70%. And I'm <laughs> so fascinated by this, like, you know, cause it, it's like, this was, she won an Oscar for it. It was a big deal, big push for the Oscars. It was a huge movie. And so like, is so talked about like so seriously and I'm like do people really care if she's the dancer for it like it's like so weird the way we wrap up someone's effort like extended behind the scenes effort into whether or not that means the work is good because it's like well are you giving it to her because she learned a new skill in six months or are you giving it to her because she's a good actress yeah, it is bizarre. Like this year, that's sort of happening again with Naya, the swimming movie, where it's like an oh, Annette Benning was like swimming for two years yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and it's like I understand at some level that that is kind of impressive, but at the same time, like we are giving an award for acting, we are not giving an award for swimming. Yeah. So. <laughs> Do we really yeah. like sure that could be an added like little bonus thing, but but yeah, I mean, I think Black Swan, Natalie Portman is incredible whether or not she's doing any of her own dancing. Yeah. It's like she has lots of scenes that don't really involve dancing. Um, and yeah, a lot of it is, you know, it's like you see her ha- like her top half, then you see the feet, then you see it from like a distance. So it is sort of murky of of how much dancing is actually her. And also, I think it would be confusing to be Natalie Portman. It's like, you went through, you did all this dancing, you shot all of these scenes, but then they also shot those scenes with the body double. It's like, you don't know how much of that they're using or what exactly is like your foot. I mean, maybe, but (laughs) it's like, who cares also? This is how she met her husband, right? Yes. Benjamin Millipede, who was the choreographer on this. And who has worked on, uh, you know, and has worked on a lot of other things and been a director since. He also was in charge of, like, the Paris Ballet for a while, I think. And so they, so uh, Natalie Portman moved to Paris. And there was, I think at one point she was, like, maybe going to become a French citizen because they were living over there. She's very all over the place, you know, very worldly. Yeah. Because she kind of, like, took a 
break. I mean, not really. Just like a year without any projects except producing, I think. And then she shows up in Thor. Well, and no strings attached. Oh, yeah. I think that she said in an interview that after filming Black Swan, which was so like complicated and sort of heady, that she just wanted to do sort of like easy stuff. And I'm sure that the no strings attached and Thor budgets were pretty good. So she could just like kind of plop in and so do those scenes and Black make a bit Swan of money. With Mila Kunis. And then yes. no strings attached with Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher. Oh my gosh. Another incestual. <laughs> well, no strings triangle. attached was also crazy because the, it was like the same year or the year after Friends with Benefits, which yes. was the Justin Timberlake movie. And it was like, at least for me, the concept of sleeping with somebody who you're not married to was just like horrific. <laughs> and. I just remember thinking, like, how could they, like, how could they possibly make these two movies? Like, <laughs> this is the worst affront to civilization. Like, these sinners, you know, putting yeah. out this idea in the world of, of you would want to hook up with somebody who you're not even dating. You're just like hooking up with them, let alone not being married. Like, ugh. <sighs> the audacity. I know, Honestly, truly horrific. I'm glad you and I and I stand by that point of view. I would never do that, and I disavow anyone who does. Yeah, you still have your purity ring on. Yes, me and Joe Jonas. (laughs) He's got his back on. Did you see? (laughs) I'm sorry. This is this is why we can't do these episodes because they just end up being just like rabbit holes down to other nonsense. But did you see the rumor that Joe Jonas is dating a dude? No. Yes. Oh my gosh. I would die. So. I love Joe. I Joe Jonas is so hot to me. Like I, <laughs> I think he's way more attractive than the others. Nick Jonas was three fucking but, teeth. But he the rumor is he cheated on Sophie with a dude whose name I can't remember. You know what? Honestly, like, okay. I'm never for cheating. I think cheating is bad, but I will say. If you're cheating because you're gay and figuring that out, I think that that is like of a slightly different quality. Um, yeah. Like obviously better <laughs> to just sort of like break up or talk with your spouse about it or what you know, there's like other ways, but I'm kind of like, okay, if Joe Jonas is secretly gay and was cheating on Sophie with a dude, then like maybe they can Maybe then he shouldn't lie about her being a bad mom and steal the kids' passports and make a messy divorce then. Well, maybe she was a bad mom. We don't know. We're just... (laughs) Just because Taylor Swift got dinner with her once, we don't know. Anyways, it's rumors around his co-star, Spencer Neville. Wait, okay. I'm looking this up. It's like they were seen being a little bit more touchy than you usually see two straight white dudes on the street here's an article this says remember when joe jonas accidentally visited a gay club uh, <laughs> accidentally rumors fly after joe jonas is spotted cozying up with his devotion co-star oh i forgot that he was in devotion i don't even know what devotion is that was that movie with glenn powell and um oh. cursed uh cursed abuser um Oh. Jonathan Majors last year. 
Wait, and over Joe the Jonas weekend, Joe Jonas was. Yes, he's sort of like a side character or whatever. Spotted getting chummy with Devotion co-star Spencer Neville, causing gay fans to start speculating about That's the pair. You. <laughs> the two were spotted taking a stroll in Los Angeles where photos were taken of Neville carrying an iced coffee and walking his dog while the Jonas Brothers star walked beside him. But it's a photo showing Jonas oh so casually <laughs> draping his arm over Neville's, uh... Neville's shoulder that has led some fans' imaginations, especially the gay ones, to run <laughs> wild. <laughs> Was that a real quote or was that? Yes. <laughs> also, let me just say, looking at this picture, this is not giving gay to me. Ugh, you know? Okay, fine. It's sort of giving, it's sort of giving like, you know, when you like go like, yeah, like good job, dude. Or, you know, like you sort of like no, clap your hand on not, someone's shoulder. No, it might not I'm be looking at the totally. picture. It's I'm not get, it too, okay. It's but... not giving horny. Okay, that's that's fair. But I just want to say from a heterosexual perspective, it's not giving bro energy. Like it's not like there's something happening in the middle there. Like maybe there this is a modern man and that's a modern man's bro, but it's not like the, pump you on I the guess, back, like, yeah, man, good well, job. No, I guess the thing that I feel like is that like if I had a video of this, it'd be super helpful. Like I feel yeah. like this picture <laughs> could have been taken like in a split second where he was you know, like sort of like or... patting him on the back kind of a just thing. His shoulder really like quick. just a little like <laughs> um and then he makes his hand away. Like like did they walk for a block like this? I don't know. Because that's kind of gay. <laughs> was this two was this a half second that would just happen to be caught on film? Yes. Well, anyways, anyways, back back to Natalie. Back to no strings back attached. To Natalie, no strings attached. Fine, whatever. I didn't see it. I don't think people liked it. It's one of the worst ones, I think. Uh, or one was, of the one of the more disliked ones. I think. I think people liked it less than they liked the Justin Timberlake version, which I think yeah. is saying yeah. something. Uh, then Thor. Then Thor, which honestly, I the first Thor was like fine. I don't think they knew what to do with the character yet, but I I like there's some memorable parts, and Natalie Portman's good in it, um, and I remember that, so I stand by that. Yeah, this is. I guess let's just talk about all the Thor stuff now because while we're on it, but like. So she's in the first one, then she's in the second one, but sort of has like less to do, kind of. And then um, she, I mean, no. or isn't she like separated from? Yeah, she's separated, but she's like literally possessed by the villain. So it's like she's a major part of the story still. It's not like she's written out of the film. It's just that they've broken up, or they're like you know estranged, and then she accidentally gets like. She gets the Tesseract like in her blood or something and then he has to take her to his home planet and that's where she like meets his mom, et cetera, et cetera. And then they like, he has to save her. He has to save, he has to drain. I don't remember. It was bad, but she's in it. Okay. Yes, right. But I, I feel like I remember her saying like in press or whatever, like that she didn't like being in the second one as much or I don't, or they yeah, didn't know what to do with her or whatever. Yes. And so then she opted to not be yes. in the third one. And she also doesn't really show up in any of the Avengers movies or things. I think there's like references to her at various yeah. points or, you know, other characters will mention her and it'll be like, oh, she's, you know, studying at the lab yeah. or whatnot. But like she doesn't show back up. And so it was... A big deal when they finally, when they announced 
that she was going to actually be in Thor and Love and Thunder and that she was going to have like a major role in that movie because everybody was sort of like, oh, Natalie Portman hates the Marvel movies. Like she doesn't want to be in them because at all she she didn't come back for Avengers. Like she doesn't want to do this anymore. And then it was like, oh, wait, never mind. She's actually in it. And she's sort of like a weird lead playing like woman Thor. Uh, It was just like a strange kind of pivot. And then the movie came out and was bad and everybody hated it. And it's a weird movie. So it's like, wait, why did she come back for this exactly? It's just a I mean, strange it's a, I think it, coda I think it's this. a poorly, it, it was released too soon. The graphics are bad, but I had fun with it. And um, I stand by that. And I think she would have had fun with it too. I think they probably cut a lot more of her bits, like as far as her transforming and whatnot, but she's given stuff to do. So I can see why it was more appealing than like playing the damsel in distress, which is what Thor two was. It was just her being sick the whole time. Right. No, I could definitely see why like she decided to come back in sort of like an empowerment kind of way. Cause yeah, she is, you know, it's like she has the hammer at some point, Um, but then she dies at the end. Yes. Of this one, yeah. Because uh, she has remember. like, because doesn't she oh, have yeah, like yeah, a disease yeah. has, the whole time, yeah, she, and the reason why she has yeah, to get the yeah, hammer yeah. is because she'll die if she doesn't or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, um, she died. So that so the that's first over. Thor is in 2011. The second Thor is in 2013. Then in 2015, she has four movies, and I dare anyone to have seen any of these. Like. Yeah. The Night of Cups, the heyday of the insensitive bastards, <laughs> A Tale of Love and Darkness, and Jane Got a Gun. I have yeah. never heard of any of those movies. <laughs> yeah, no, the, me neither. It's like an experimental Terrence Malick one. The heyday of insensitive bastards is an anthology movie. A Tale of Love and Darkness is a... Oh, it takes place in Jerusalem in the late years of the mandatory... Pe- okay, we won't finish reading the um, rest <laughs> of that description. And then Jane Got a Gun is some sort of Western that also yeah. stars Joel Edgerton. Yeah, awkward. That feels like maybe we should have... Like, that should have been a bigger movie than it was, but I don't remember it. No. I mean, I do remember Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which I guess she produced. Strangely yes, enough. I did see that, but I, uh, she's not in it. She's no, just she's a producer on it. it. I don't know why she decided to produce that of all things, but she did. And it was not yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very interesting. I'm like, we, I need to look up her. I should have looked up like her production company and seen like what their sort of, you know, mandate is or whatever, because it is odd that she would have that but then then she's also it this is 2016 when pride and prejudice and zombies comes out she's also in jackie which is her next big oscar play she plays jackie kennedy um in the wake mm. of the assassination she's doing a crazy jackie kennedy accent she looks like her she has the costume I loved Jackie. It's a Pablo Lorraine movie who also did Spencer um, with Kristen Stewart a couple years later. I think Jackie's incredible. I'm still sort of mad that Natalie Portman did not win the Oscar that year. I think that's the, is that the La La Land year? I think it's the La La Land year. Probably. And she should have won, but she had already won an Oscar for Black Swan. So, you know, they were like, sorry, we can't give this to you twice. But (laughs) Jackie, incredible. Did Did you like Jackie? 
I never saw it. Or do you just think it was boring? I never you never saw, saw it. So this is the thing. You're telling me, oh, I think Natalie Portman's boring in movies, no. but then you haven't seen what any said, of the big ones that she's in. What I said is anytime Natalie Portman is cast, I'm like, ugh, sounds boring. I'm not going to watch it. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's a prophecy nonetheless. It's okay. just the vibes. It doesn't promise me a good time. She's just like so – I don't know. I should give her a chance. You don't think watching JFK get assassinated is a good time, Shelby? You don't <laughs> no. think that's a fun vibe for the weekend? No, I don't. I don't. They, it is a little depressing. She's also in a French movie that year called Planetarium with Lily Rose Depp, which I had never heard about. Oh. And then I, na- I did watch Eating Animals, which she narrates and produced. Uh, she's a vegan, if you didn't know. Animal rights... We love activist. that. She, she also do, uh, narrated a documentary the following year called Dolphin Reef. Oh. Very, a lot of animal rights going on. Yeah, good for her, honestly. Uh, and, and um, yeah, because this is like 2017, 2018, so the Me Too movement is happening. Um, she's promoting annihilation. She, at this point, this is when she did like make some statements that were like against, um, Israel's treatment of Palestine and she like refused to attend an award in Israel because the president would be there and she didn't want to look like she was she didn't want to be in a room where he was giving a speech type thing and this was also when she was part of the Time's Up movement she spoke a lot about I think in 2016 I guess it would have been or 2017 when the Women's March was she gave a speech and I remember that and how she talked a lot about, again, how, like, I remember she said she opened her first fan mail and it was like a rape fantasy and she was like nine or whatever, 12, I guess. And and so she's definitely like much more um, outspoken and she utilizes her platform and she seemed to be you know, doing her best to move the needle on issues relevant to her career, which was like equal pay and the efforts of Time's Up to kind of um, change the equity between men and women in the film industry. And um, yeah. Yeah, she also, she was the one who wore the dress that had like the, were they like, were they the women director's names? sewn into it or mm. do you remember what i'm talking Probably. about lots of she had like happening. she had like a thing uh, she had like a dress that had like gold trim on it and the trim had like names i i want to say of like female directors who like weren't nominated for yeah. something and yeah. then and then Snubbed she, she also yeah made a comment at some point or another about you know like how all of the male or how all of the directors nominated for things were male. She's come out about that. She also was uh, did some like defund the police stuff. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, she's yeah, been it's, it's learning and outspoken. Growing. I mean, she she also like she also earlier had like signed a letter in support of Roman Polanski and then realized like, wow, that was wrong and backtracked that. Like it, you know, which I can respect. <laughs> you know, she was in 2009, she was I don't know, 20. So learning and growing again. But I also think she was the one who said that like 
Because who did it first? They were like, in the all male nominees are. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I think that was her. Or if she didn't say that, that then she said it again. Let me look this up. All <laughs> male director nominees announcement. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was no, her. She was the so someone did it during the noms like the year before, and then during the Golden Globes, or she presented it, but then detracted the fact that there was actually a couple of um, like people of color in the list. So it wasn't just because I think because yeah, someone said like an all the the all male white you know, whatever was the first year. And then she tried to get on the train again by doing it live on air during her show that year. And people were like, ooh, you kind of missed the mark because it was like Guillermo del Toro or something. Maybe it's mixed up because it... (laughs) (laughs) There's been so many times where no women are nominated. Well, because I'm reading the article and it said, here are the all-male nominees, is what she said. And the nominees are Christopher Nolan, Martin McDonough, Steven Spielberg, Ridley Scott, and Guillermo del Toro. So, like, yes, Guillermo del Toro is from Mexico, but... Okay, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I just... But I I do remember some sort of something or another. People were like, this is kind of annoying, performative, like, copy. Yes. Wasn't as effective, but I don't remember... (laughs) But maybe that maybe she was the first one and then somebody else copied her. Yeah, maybe. We should have done our research. We should have done more research. research. I'm sorry. Anyways. I do remember the dress though, because then someone was like, You've literally never produced a movie with a woman director. No, yes. That's that that I <laughs> think that that's what we're thinking of. Yes. Is that she wore that dress and then they were sort of like, Well, yeah, but which movies by female directors have you been in? And they were and she was like, uh yeah. actually like <laughs> Not really. Yeah. We're like, we're like, um, Nicole Kidman, I think, has a thing where it's like she, like, she makes sure that 50% of her movies are directed by females or something like that, which is why she's sometimes in random stuff because she just like wants to work with female directors. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anywho, yeah, she's in Annihilation in 2018, which is a movie I don't like, but a lot of people do really love. I and I think she is good in it. So. You liked the book, hated the movie. I hated the book and liked the movie. So, well, they're so different, and I feel like whichever one you kind of, like, yeah. yeah, you either go one direction or the other. Yeah. Um, and then 2018, she's also in Vox Lux, yes. which is the year where she's basically playing Britney Spears. And Vox <laughs> Lux is sort of, it's not a great movie, I will say, because one, it's it sort of starts with a gotcha school shooting moment, which is like terrifying and really triggering. And then, and then it's about this sort of pop star who finds fame sort of based on being famous from being in a school shooting. Like if one of the like Parkland kids all of a sudden became a pop star. But Natalie Portman in the second half, because she's only in the second half of the movie, um, playing the adult version of the pop star, is like wild and doing a crazy voice and it's, it just like such an interesting performance, but then she does like a full like fifteen minute long m- like music singing dancing like pop star concert set 
which I just think is fascinating and was fun to watch. And again, something I think that most um, actors would be like, oh, no way in hell am I doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember seeing people pretty split on this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think her performance is like a big swing and I think some people didn't like it. And then also just like the way the movie opens is not yeah great especially if you don't really know what it's about and you show up and then it's like oh yeah we're just gonna watch us like an elementary school shooting like yeah not great um then the next year she's in lucy in the sky which is the in fact the astronaut diapers movie yeah yeah yeah. and then she has like a break i think this is i think she's having kids in here yeah right (laughs) yeah i'm like there's a couple places in here where she's having kids because yeah she has two kids with benjamin millipede um then 2022, we get the third Thor movie. And then this year, we have May-December, which, um, yeah. Which you is didn't about... really like. I did not love it. It's a little slight. I think her performance is great in it. But I kind of wanted more from the movie. Um, it's, a, it's very weird tonally. You'll see when you see it. It's, like, kind of jokey in some ways that I don't necessarily know if it should be. Because it's about, like grooming kids i don't it's a it's a very odd movie but i think that the natalie portman part is great um because it's about it's sort of based on this case the mary Kay letourneau case from like the 80s i think um about this teacher who uh started like dating her elementary school student and then went to jail for that but then somehow or another maintained the relationship with the kid even while she was in jail and then after she got out and he became 18 they got married and had kids and you know as one were does. married for 20 years or something before there was a divorce and so this is about a version of that but where natalie portman is an actor who is going to meet up with the family to sort of like do research for the role yeah and so julianne moore plays the woman and um uh, one of the guys from Riverdale plays the the husband, and then Natalie Portman plays the actress who's coming to visit them. Um, but she does a great job. I think the script is a little wonky in some ways, but I love her. And yeah, she also, I was looking at her IMDb. She's really never done TV, but she is in an upcoming series called Lady in the Lake that's going to be an Apple TV series based on a novel mm. that's sort of that's like an investigative journalist of kind of a thing and so i'm like i wonder how that will be because i do really like her and i feel like apple tv has a lot of money so the series could be good but it could also be one of those apple tv series that nobody ever hears about or watches yeah <laughs> yes probably most likely um yeah, I was trying to look up her production company, but I think she's just started her own, which May December is the first, and then Lady in the Lake in the Lake will be the second. So, oh, so she must have just been like a like producer at large or whatever yeah. on the previous. <laughs> I think so. Uh, projects that she was a producer on, it like wasn't through her own company. No, I was just looking up her production company and I couldn't find anything other than that they signed a first look with Apple. So yeah. that means maybe we'll be getting more Natalie Portman Apple content in the future. Sure. Or I guess you could just produce things that not be in them, but Yeah. 
Well, oh, I don't well. think most actors who turn into producers don't star themselves in their produced work. So. I think that they start that way at least, you know, because it's sort of like then they can find the project and try to get it off the ground that they want to star in. But yeah. then eventually, like, like Amy Poehler has a production company, and I know that she's done stuff that she doesn't really – that she's not the star of. Um, but, but yeah. Oh, well, Natalie Portman, a long, fruitful career. We'll see what <laughs> other things she has coming up. She has a bunch – she has some projects in the works, but I was looking at them, and I don't really, like – like nothing jumped out to me or anything that I recognized. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah any final Natalie thoughts on, on Natalie Portman? <laughs> no, I, uh, I think she's a fairly rated actress, you know, not overhyped, not undersold. She just is. Well, and she steered clear of a lot of the drama that somebody like Jennifer yes. Lawrence has been it. Like, like, I think she's always been respected. I'm not sure that she's necessarily, like, super well-loved by people. But I yeah. kind of think in some ways that might be the best spot to be in if you're an actor of, like, yeah, I mean, you get the roles. But, yeah, you, you don't have to deal with all of the drama. She is very tiny, I will say. I was at a dinner once that she was at, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Small girl. I do remember they had to build a box for – I mean, this isn't unique, but – they showed the box that helped her be in the same frame as Chris Hemsworth in their like kissing scenes because physically oh well cuz he he's to, massive like, lurch over yeah. to reach her and that just doesn't look appealing for a frame of a film mm-hmm. so they just like had like a 2 foot box for her to stand on mm. so fun fact <laughs> <sighs> Uh, if, anyway. See if if they'd cast me to make out with Chris Hemsworth, we wouldn't have probably need right the there. box. Yeah. I could have, I could have reached. Exactly. They need to think about these things. Mm. Darn that homophobia. Ugh, I know. Me, Chris, and Joe Jonas. We're just, yeah. you know, gonna <laughs> hang out together. And Spencer, whatever his name is, with just, his dog, just patting each other on the back as bros do. Yes, as bros do. Nothing, nothing to see here, folks. What are we doing next week on the podcast? Oh, I don't remember. 2023 movies. I mean, yeah, I feel like we can't really do May, December. We just did this. The the Netflix schedule is definitely going to screw me over again. Oh, we yeah, there's... S- um, Maestro. There's Maestro. There's the Family Switch Christmas movie. There's... Okay, there has to be something better than that. Salt I know Burn. there's something. I know there's, there's something coming out. I feel like I just saw it. Like, it's... Saltburn, Eileen, Eileen, the waitress. Poor things. Oh, that might be out the Ugh. following week. Yeah, I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll you don't want to watch I'll, Poor I'll Things? It out. No, I will. I just know that I won't like it. Poor Things is my favorite movie this I year. I know. <laughs> I kind of think you might like it. Oh, it's Renaissance. What Renaissance of what? The Beyonce film. Oh, oh yeah, we could do that. I mean, I'm going to go see it if you want to go see it. I mean, I thought you were making me see it, but I mean, I probably will see it. I just don't know when. I mean, we've already done the one concert movie this year, so I don't necessarily know if we oh, need okay. to do another one. But but I mean, I love if there's an, if if that's the thing to see, then that's then I'll you know I mean right. I'm going to go see it anyways. I okay. have tickets. Okay. Uh, 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 We'll see. <laughs> Whatever. 
You're like, or instead no. we could do the extended version of the Taylor Swift documentary because we really need a whole other <laughs> episode on that because there were a couple songs we missed. And maybe yeah. if you saw the whole thing with the songs you missed, you'd like it more. Possibly. Possibly. It's possible. Never say never. Never say never. Well, Matt, uh, happy birthday. Um, thank you. I'm glad we finally remembered to do this and that we did good old manic pixie dream girl herself the one the only natalie portman uh she loves sand but yes. famously anakin does not Wait, so what is your favorite natalie portman is it jackie it's probably jackie okay. uh, i mean it might be the phantom menace i do oh love gosh. the phantom menace <laughs> no no i think it's oh uh you know and I, that's actually i think it's v for vendetta Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think V for Vendetta is my favorite movie that she's in. I think Jackie is her best performance, probably, but V for Mm. Vendetta is my favorite movie. Yeah, that's fair. Until I see Goya's Ghost, which, you know, could be... Could be a sleeper pick, but if you thanks- have the uncut version of Lucy in the Sky, <laughs> Lucy in the Sky the with the diaper. diaper, with the diaper, baby. Uh, well, thank you for recording this with me, Shelby. Of uh, thank you for another year of the podcast. You're welcome. Um, thanks everybody else for listening, and we'll be back next week to talk about something or another. <laughs> we'll let you Probably. know. Okay, bye. <laughs>